From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. This morning, we're going to continue our, or finalize our talk on real virtues. Before Camp Sunday, a couple weeks ago, we were in a series looking at different virtues that a follower of Christ is to have and to walk in, characteristics, characteristics of a follower of Jesus. And we've looked at three so far. The first was honor, being people of honor and giving honor and extending honor in a culture that is, that is easily offended or a culture that easily cancels um, those who offend. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says, honor one another above yourselves. And we discussed integrity, living as people who are truly whole and integrated around the person of Jesus, not living a compartmentalized life where where I am in one sector of life is different than who I am in another sector. When I come to church, I'm one thing. When I go to work, is a different thing. No, but really living an integrated life. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 3 says, the integrity of the upright guides them but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. And as you move closer to Jesus, you're going to find that as he works in you, you moving closer to him, you're going to be moving towards becoming more of a person of integrity. And then lastly, we chatted about perseverance. This was a few weeks ago, perseverance in faith, trusting in God when our perspective is often limited. Hebrews chapter 10, 36 says, you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised for in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And today I have a very simple idea for you that I, I, would, I would bargain all of us know. I'm gonna think that every single person, I don't think there'll be a person here this morning that has not heard this before, but likely many of us don't live it. And if we did, we would live drastically different lives, drastically different lives. I believe that what we're going to share this morning is, is a key to happiness and a key to God's presence, and that is gratitude. Look at somebody and just say gratitude. Now look at the other person that is around that didn't, you didn't say anything to and say Gratitude. And if you don't have anyone around and you feel like you've just been left out, look at me and say, gratitude. <laughs> I'm looking at you. I see you. Psalms 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this morning, God. It is clear that you are here. Lord, I love it when we have gatherings where not only we can worship you, because you are worthy of our worship, but we can be moved in your presence. And so even as we've heard through the words shared this morning, God, draw us nearer that we could truly be quenched in your presence. Lord, I desire us to be a church that is not hard or cracked, but fertile. And not just one or two of us come and share what we have to offer, but we all, God, come and share the gifts and the things, the fruit from our lives with one another. And not just in here, God, but in our world. So as we look at this word this morning, as I share, God, I pray that you would speak ultimately to every heart, every mind. Encourage us this morning, this morning challenge us. In your name we pray, amen. In 2006, a movie was released called The Pursuit of Happiness. Anybody heard of it? Pursuit of Happiness? It's a story of a true story of Christopher Gardner, who makes a very poor investment in bone density scanners. And if you know anything about the story, it's just marginally those those bone density scanners are marginally above X-ray machines, but they're inc incredibly more expensive. So he makes this really poor investment in in this scanner, and that leads him to lose everything. His wife ends up leaving him. He loses his apartment and him and his son are forced onto the streets to live a homeless life. But he desires to see his dream become a reality. And so through the story, we see him receive an unpaid internship where he has to beat out every competitor for six months. So here is a man who's just trying to stay afloat, 
selling these things that don't really sell, trying to make ends meet, trying to provide for his son, living on the streets while pursuing his dream. It's actually a really good movie. I enjoyed it like many years ago. It's a pursuit of someone, a dramatic tale of someone who's really doing whatever they can do to see their dream realized. It's a, it's a story of a man who's just seeking to succeed. And you know, I think it's very easy for me, I'll say me, but I think a lot of us, is we know in the church the difference between joy and happiness. We know the pursuit of the world into happiness. Maybe you are privy to that. You've seen that. You've, we've discussed that. We know where true happiness or joy comes from. So it's easy to poke holes in a narrative like this when we hear of a story of someone that's just trying to achieve the American dream to feel complete and whole. But if we pause for a second and really thought about this, and if we're honest with ourselves, don't we see ourselves a little bit in this story? Like we're, we're pursuing happiness. I don't like to be unhappy. I don't know about you. I hate being unhappy. I like being happy. I like doing things that make me happy. Happiness is the best feeling that I feel. I feel a lot of different things, but when I'm happy, I feel the best. And to some degree, we're all chasing in pursuit of happiness. Am I right? We're in pursuit of happiness, but the unfortunate lie that we live that we've bought into, the deception from what we would call in the church, the enemy, the devil, Satan, the, the lie that our culture believes is that if I keep obtaining, if I keep chasing, achieving, succeeding, arriving, if I just get that thing, if I just get to that destination, if I just reach that level, then I'll have constant happiness. Not just like, mo- like constant, that's what we're chasing. It's perpetual happiness. I want to be happy, never ending. And so we, we live this lie that if I just get to there, I'll have it. And let's be true. We all have that in us. Maybe, maybe di- different degrees. We all have this. We believe this. We subconsciously pursue this, but it is a lie It is a lie that in this age, on this side of eternity, constant, unending happiness can be achieved. Because happiness is not something that can be achieved. It's something that's felt. And it's circumstantial. And it changes. And we all live in this world. And in this world, there is trouble. And so even if you have a really good, you can be very grateful for the life you have and by culture's perspective, have a happy, blissful life, you will still have times of unhappiness. Happiness cannot be achieved. Perpetual happiness, maybe momentary. You have like a a good ice cream cone on a hot summer's day. Feels good. Jump in a pool when you're sweating buckets. Makes you happy. Sitting down, relaxing to a nice meal after a hard day, good stuff. But constant happiness. Even the most successful, bliss-filled lives are not constantly full of happiness. Here's what King Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes. After pursuing all that life could offer, he reflected and he said, I denied myself nothing that my eyes desired. I I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for my toil. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Now, if you're like me, and you look at someone like Solomon, you might think, yeah, but dude, you, like, you, had, you had wealth. You didn't have to worry about paying the bills. <laughs> you had home upon home upon home. Like you had vacation places that you could go in your private jet, but maybe it wasn't jet. Maybe it was like a nice chariot at the time. Like, it's harder for us on the outside of, of the extremely wealthy 
to say, well, it's all meaningless because I look at that and I'm thinking there's a the little small part of my flesh that says, maybe there's meaning there. <laughs> if I just had a couple extra zeros in the bank account, am I right? But yet we hear story after story, even in our culture, of people who, who obtain this kind of wealth and they say it's not worth it. It doesn't bring them what? Happiness. So it is a lie that we believe and live that chasing and pursuing and achieving brings that constant happiness. Now, the other side of this lie is that happiness is the end goal. It's the chief end of why we're here. We say things like, live life to the fullest, live and let die. You know, we even say as parents to children or grandparents or, you know, mentors to mentorees, you know, just do what makes you happy. I just want to feel happy. Again, that's valid to a degree, right? The good thing, let's say this, let's tack this over this whole message and say that God created us as beings who feel happy. Happiness is an emotion that God gave us, so it's okay to feel happy. This is not a message that is condemning you for feeling happy by any means. I want you to do things that make you happy, as long as they don't make someone else unhappy. But it is a lie that happiness is the end goal. For a follower of Jesus, for the family of God, we know that this life is not all there is. We know that, that happiness is not the end goal because this life is not all there is. So, so the end goal for us is not to achieve happiness in this life. The end goal for a follower of Christ is to glorify God. I exist to bring glory to God. The Bible says in Colossians that we were created by him, not for us. We were created by him and for him. My life exists to bring glory to his name. Whether or not I am circumstantially happy, whether or not I feel happy or unhappy, God is not like, ah, oh, you weren't happy. He wants you to bring glory to his name. You look throughout the New Testament, there's a significant portion of the New Testament that talks about bringing glory to God through suffering, through hardship, through difficulty. And I rarely feel happy in difficulty. Maybe you're one of those weird people that do. But when I'm going through something significant, I am not feeling good. But yet the scriptures call me to bring glory to him through whatever it is I experience, because the chief end of man is not, as the lie says, happiness, but the chief end of man is to glorify God. But what if? What if that drive that is in us, that desire that is in us to be happy, that longing for that blissful, whole, secure feeling was actually the result of being separated from something that we were designed by God to have? What if that desire in us is telling us that something is actually missing and just through our flesh and the sinfulness of man, our culture, it's been twisted and manipulated for us to believe that it's happiness that we're missing? What if that something could actually be satisfied and quenched and not rest on circumstance or situation and emotion and feeling? What if I could have contentment regardless of the circumstance? What if I could be as Paul the Apostle who says, I've learned the secret of contentment to be content in whatever it is, the circumstance. Plenty or lack. Full or starving. Bills paid or bills not paid. Bank full or bank overdrawn. What if there was there was a way that we could, we could get there, achieve that. I don't know about you, but I feel relieved. I want to argue that we can, and I want to argue that the key is not a pursuit of happiness, but comes from gratitude. And the finish line is not happiness. The finish line is the presence of God. 
the constant perpetual presence of God. So the key is not achieving and the finish line is not happiness. The key is gratitude and the end result is God's presence. Here's how C.S. Lewis put it. He said, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. That, my friends, is a fancy way of saying that there's something in us that longs for more than what we have, and the only answer is something that is beyond this world, and the only thing that is beyond this world is the Lord. The reason that we are chasing after happiness is because of sin. Sin has separated us from God. We have a nature in us that is bent towards it. And so there is in us a longing to be fully, truly reconciled. And thank you, Jesus, for the reconciliation that comes through the cross because you have been reconciled, but has not been fully realized yet because we still live in this world. So that's something in us, that drive that says, I just think I need this to make me feel whole. That's the lie of the enemy. But there is a drive in you that says, hey, you need the Lord and you will feel whole. It can be achieved. And the end result is his presence. And guess what awaits in his presence? Joy. Joy. Joy is something that transcends circumstance because it comes from something that transcends all life. Happiness is circumstantial because it's based on a circumstance. If I get this, if I have that, and that may break, the bank account may get empty again. Eventually, we're not as interested in the thing. But if we can be in perpetual abiding presence of God, we can have joy that is continual and unending, regardless of whether I face flames and fire and deep waters in this life. Psalms chapter 16 says, you make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. Therefore, the perpetual happiness that we seek is found in him. And the door is gratitude. So let me give you three quick thoughts. Number one, Gratitude is the doorway to God's presence. Good morning, everyone. My name is Thank you, Laura, for agreeing with me. You know, sometimes when I come home after a day of being in the office, I pull up in my driveway, I get out the car, and my kids are waiting in the window. And they're just waving and beaming with happiness. I got young kids. It's exciting makes me feel really good, especially when I see the giant smile on their face because they're just happy I'm home. And many times they begin a conversation with me before I even enter the house. They start talking through the window. And me, just being me, I start engaging in the conversation. So they're saying something, I'm saying something, but the problem is none of us can actually hear what the other person is saying. So I'm going, I can't hear you. And they're trying to tell me about their day. And I don't know what's going on because I'm outside the house. They're inside the house. I'm missing something because I'm not truly fully in the house. The psalmist says in Psalm 100 verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Sometimes we miss the voice of God because we are standing outside the house. Sometimes we miss what God is saying. We miss the satisfaction found in his presence because we are outside his presence. We see him. We see others experiencing him. We see his house. We know what's in there. We may have even been in there before. But we haven't entered through the gates. So we're trying to commune with God outside the house, like me and my kids outside the window. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. We step into the presence of God with gratefulness. The doorway into God's presence is gratefulness. If you're here today and you're like me and you just like long to feel satisfied in Christ, that you long that whole whole sense of, of being complete. You want to experience the Lord to the fullest to what you may even see others. You, you say, like, I wish I had what they had, or I want that. Start by expressing and speaking thanks before you enter his presence. As you begin a prayer, start with thanks. 
And begin your day, start with gratitude. As you end your day, end with gratitude. Thankfulness unlocks our sight and feelings to experience the presence of God. Because thankfulness sees what's already been done. Thankfulness sees what's already been done. And what Jesus has already done for us is significantly greater than anything that we have yet experienced. What he hasn't done yet. What has he done? Say, we're at a church. We took communion today. Why? To remember the cross. Because what has Jesus done for us? He gave us his life. What has the Father done for us? He gave us his Son. What has God done for us? He made a sacrifice. He did the ultimate thing that could be done. The separation that was torn between man and God has been restored. What sin sought to tear apart, Jesus restored. The debt that you and I owe because of sinfulness that we are to pay has been paid because of the cross. He has done the ultimate thing. And so therefore, because he's done the ultimate thing, everything else truly, when I truly understand that, pales in comparison to what he's already done. And you can now see and experience his presence because you're not blinded by a pursuit of happiness and what you don't have because you're deliberately calling to mind what he's already done for you on the cross. And if I can do that, the chase, the desire, the hunger, and the thing that you may want or need may be significant, but it is small in comparison. So Lord, even if this relationship isn't reconciled, thank you that my relationship with you is because of the cross. Even though I can't pay the bill and I might lose the keys, thank you that you've created a home for me in your presence and you've made a way for me to one day be with you forever. Lord, even though this pain is so hard and tears don't stop flowing and I can't stop grieving and I just can't get over it, thank you that one day you will wipe away every tear because you have defeated evil on the cross. See, thankfulness helps me see what I don't see. And it restores my sight that I can enter the presence of God because momentary pursuits blind me to what I already have. I think I get this, I'll have that. And whether it's just like you want to buy a toy or you need your, your family restored, that can blind you to the goodness found in the cross. And it it can stop you from when you enter in in the house of God as we come together and we worship together. Or maybe just in moments at home when you open up the Bible and you're in prayer. It It can prevent you as you linger on these things from really experiencing the presence of God because you're blinded to to this because of that. But if I just pause for a moment, I linger on the cross and I think about what Jesus already did for me I think of what's already been accomplished. I think of the way that's already been made. I think of the provision that's already been given. Then if he did that, then he could do this. And if and if he did if he did that, then what else could he do? My perspective changes. Circumstance didn't change, but I'm looking at it completely different now. Because I'm like, wait a second. The God of the universe, if I truly believe him to be the God of the universe, which I do, the creator of all things, stepped down, stooped to my position, took my place on the cross, humbled himself, didn't need to, but did, took on my sinful debt so that when I die, I'm not separated from God for all eternity and all things goodness, but I actually experienced the full glory of God because of what he did on the cross. Okay. And this hardship I'm going through right now seems a little bit more small. This circumstance, this thing that I want or need, or this thing I'm trying to achieve pales. Doesn't matter. Because one day, I'm going to have that. Wait a second. I have that now. 
you know the problem is sometimes we preach in church and we believe in church, we're always talking about heaven. Oh, you get to go to heaven one day. You get to go to here one day. We get to, it's, it's all about what's going to happen there. Do you, do you know the end result is not heaven? The, the end goal for the follower of Jesus is not that you get heaven. And if that is your theology, we need to have long conversations about this, okay? Because the end goal is that you get Jesus. The end goal is that you get God. Whether you are on this side or that side, this age or the age to come, this side of eternity or that side of eternity, whether he has resurrected all things and we are experiencing forever life or not, we have God. It doesn't matter if you're here or there. The experience can actually be truly the same. I'm going on a tangent here, but I'm going to chase it. The experience can truly be the same. Because if I can get God's fullness here and feel whole here, amazing. And if I, if I go to heaven, I'm going to get the fullness of God there anyway. It's, it's, it's the same experience. I'm not going to care if the grass is greener in heaven. I'm not going to care if, if I'm never going to hurt myself and you know, I'm, tears are going to be wiped away because I have God. I'm going to be looking at him. You say, wow, I can run forever and not grow tired. I can walk through walls. You know, the streets are, guys, the streets are paved for gold. I don't care because there's God. See him? It's right there. Gold, whatever, that's pavement. You know, we're going we're gonna to get whatever. You can have that here. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Not, I have come that they may have eternity and have me in eternity. Why are you chasing after stuff that will not satisfy? It's because you're not truly experienced the presence of God daily. And let me tell you, it's the daily thing because even when you've truly experienced him, and you've been filled by him, that leaks. You wake up the next day still with that sinful nature that draws you towards things that will not satisfy. And so I need to put into practice things that will actually draw me back to the presence of God. Gratitude is one of them. Thank you that you died on the cross and made a way so that I can be a relationship. I get to talk to God. Maybe you're hearing like, well, I don't know if I believe that God hears me. Oh, he hears you. He hears you. I don't know if I believe in that prayer thing. Uh, I see you guys singing songs, and I just feel like you're having like a campfire. It's nice. Team's pretty good. Those guys are really skillful musicians. What if you just like, just like you chase after the thing, whatever it is your, you fill in the blank, toy, relationship, need, money, success, image, whatever it is you're pursuing to feel whole, what if you just pause and said, okay, Lord, if you're really truly who these people say you are, I want that. See what happens. I've come to me, I have life and have to the full. Gratitude is the key to God's presence, a key to God's presence. Number two is gratitude brings freedom. If I'm always pursuing what I don't have, then what I don't have is all I'll see. I've shared this before. It's called the frequency illusion. Arnold Zwinke, a Stanford professor, when talking about it, said, once you've noticed a phenomenon, you think it happens a whole lot, even all the time. Right? So the perfect example is you buy a new car, you want a new car, you're getting a new car, all of a sudden you see everybody's driving that car. You're like, wait, Everybody got the same car at the same time. No, it was always there. You're just looking for it now. What you're looking for, you will see. So if I'm looking for what I don't have, what I don't have is all I will see. Here's my example from my life, okay? Small example. Um, I, I get really caught up in, in the mess that my kids make in my home. Like really caught up. I can, I can chase the bunny down the rabbit hole in the mess. And it drives me crazy. And if I start looking for the mess, I find the mess everywhere. It's everywhere. I just, I'm constantly picking stuff up, I'm constantly telling them to pick some up, stuff up, and because I'm frustrated because I just constantly seeing it, I get, I get angry and I start yelling at them for not picking stuff up, and then I get frustrated, and then you know, I become a basket case. And then what happens is in me, I begin to long for a sense of freedom that I don't have because of the mess in my home. And so I begin to daydream about going to the tropics, sitting on a beach, you know, no mess, nice sand, which is not wrong. So let's just pause. I think, I think that's, that's where I'm going to live in eternity. When God makes a new heaven, new earth, I'm going to go to the tropics. That's where I'm going. I just, I, so you can see, I'm in my daydream. 
And then what happens is because I cannot realize that dream, I think that if I have a clean house, I'll feel satisfied. And so I start cleaning and yelling. And I get frustrated. And I feel trapped. And I feel like it's prison. All because I'm looking for what? A mess. So all I see is a mess. As opposed to stopping, changing my perspective a little bit, and maybe looking at what I do have instead of what I don't have. I don't have a clean house, but what do I have? A house full of family. A house full of laughter, kids lavishing in the freedom that is childhood. Imaginations going wild. And if I stop and I think about that, what I do have, all of a sudden, what do I see? What I have. I begin to appreciate what I have. See, if I'm looking and focusing on what I don't have, there's a sense of being trapped. But if I look at what I do have, there's a sense of freedom that comes from that. If I'm pursuing the deliberately and intentionally pursuing practicing gratitude before God, intentionally thanking him for the things that he's given me, I begin to see what he's already brought. And that brings freedom. Gratitude brings freedom. It is a lie from the enemy that I need something else to be free. Oh, I just need, you know, a little bit more money. I can get that vacation. Or I just need the promotion, and it's going to afford me the ability to do that. And then I'll have freedom. I just need to get through this, and then I'll... No, you won't. There'll be another thing. Vacations are good, healthy, needed. Do it. Go to the tropics. Sit on the beach. Swim for me. <laughs> Whatever. But that's going to come to an end, and you're going to come back to real life. It is the truth of Jesus that in him you already have what you need, and therefore you are free. Philippians verse 4 and 8, Paul tells the church this. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, right, pure, whatever is lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Why is he telling them to think about it? Colossians 3, verse 2, he says to this church, he says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Someone once said, gratitude doesn't change the scenery. It merely washes clean the glass you're looking through so you can clearly see all the colors. Finally, I'm going to invite Joel to come back up here. Gratitude is a choice. Gratitude is a choice. Studies around gratitude and practicing thankfulness actually show that people who take regular time to notice and reflect upon the things they're thankful for experience positive, more positive emotions, feel more alive, sleep better, experience more compassion, disconnect from toxic emotions, and even have stronger immune systems. For those of you who like science and biology... You and I, we cannot control our circumstances. We don't have full control over that. But we can choose actions that influence our attitude and character. And practicing gratitude is one of them. It doesn't naturally flow. But once it starts flowing, it flows very naturally. It's a choice. It's a muscle that needs to be exercised. And at first, it's really difficult and hard. You feel really weak in it. What do I have to be thankful for? Especially if you've been focusing for so long on things you are ungrateful for, for the things that you don't have, for the things that you need, and then you'll be happy. It's really hard to focus on what do I have to be thankful for? What can I say to God? Thank you for this. It's really difficult at first. But the more that you choose to deliberately do it, just simple practice of doing this, maybe each day, as you begin the day, as you end the day. What am I thankful for? Something's unlocked inside of us. My eyes are opened. And when I come to gatherings like this where, where two or three or more are gathered, worshiping God, hearing his word, I can actually experience his presence in a fresh new way like I've never experienced before because I'm not blinded by 
what I don't have or my pursuit. But I'm actually experiencing the freedom and the joy and the wholeness and completeness that actually comes in Christ and in a relationship with God because I just stopped to say thank you. According to Jewish tradition, Jews are to give thanks 100 times a day. Some rabbis even say to be a Jew is to give thanks. It's an action that they choose to participate in because of what is done through that action. And I believe this is why the psalmist says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Paul even says, as we come to God with petitions and supplications and prayers, come with thanksgiving. Not just for thanksgiving's sake, but because of what it produces. You know, I have a lot of things going on in my life and around my life that I can, I can yell at God about. I can wallow in self-pity. Or I could stop. And I could say, this stinks. I don't like this. But I'm so thankful. My dad's not doing very well. It's really hard. But I'm so thankful. Because through this struggle, we've been brought closer. And in a childlike faith kind of way, his relationship with Christ has been restored. So thank you, Lord, for that. That's suffering. Maybe you're here today and you have something that's really hard. It's really hard. And it's hard to say, yeah, I hear you, but you don't know. How can I be thankful when it seems like we're just hanging by a thread here? I know. It's really hard. And maybe even in that, it's hard to see the thing in that that you can be thankful for. So that's why I stop and I look at the cross. It's okay, what has Jesus already done? What has God already done for me? Because if he did that, what else could he do? See, the devil is going to lie to you and deceive you, think you've got just a thread left and this thing's over. You're not going to make it. You don't have enough money. You'll never achieve that. He wants you stuck there. He doesn't want any glimmer of hope for you to believe that, hey, if God did that, man, he can reconcile all things. He can fix all things. Do you know what? I may never have a full bank account. Maybe I'm going to be like Christopher Gardner in the pursuit of happiness. I'm going to be on the streets. Have you ever watched videos of some people living on the streets? They're incredibly grateful people. I've seen people who like do these videos that they're trying to be like influencers on Instagram and TikTok and they give money to homeless people. You know, they think it's whatever, but then you, you watch this homeless person go and what? Give it to somebody else. Because they're thankful. Hey, thank you for giving me this money. I'm going to go share this. Maybe you're going to be like Christopher Gardner and you're stuck in a homeless position. But guess what? Jesus made room for you in his house. And if we could, I saw this. I'm talking a lot, but I got to share this. I saw a video of an entrepreneur, and he was saying it in regards to building successful business, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He's like, if we could just realize that when when we die, this is how he put it, when we die, we're going to be dead for a long time, okay? That's his thoughts. We're going to be dead for a long time. He's like, when you, when you were born, though, like you, were born for, you weren't born for a long time. There was a lot of life that existed before you. There's a lot of life that, that will exist after you. And he's like, if you could just kind of step back and look at your little life and just be like, wow, I'm here. And then he's like, live that. That's what he says. He's like, live that to the fullest. Let's put that in here. If we could just pause and think, okay, God put, God put me here. I was born to this family in this situation, regardless of circumstance, for for this 70, 80, 100, maybe 120 years of life. 
short in comparison to all that life has, has brought so far and all that life will bring. Jesus could return at any moment. He could return right now. Scriptures kind of say it's imminent. Nobody knows. It could be for a thousand years. I don't think so, but it could be. That's a lot of life after I'm gone. So why, why am I here? What, is it just to have happiness for a hundred years? Or is it to do something for these hundred years that prepares me for the thousands of years? If I start living with that in mind, that I will, I will die and open my eyes to eternity, or Jesus will return and he'll usher in new heaven, new earth, and eternity. If I can, if I can live with that perspective, whatever. 100 years, that's okay. That's a piece of cake. 70 years, no big deal. I got a thousand more. Some of you are like, oh, that's a thousand. That's a long time. It's because you're living this life like this life is all there is. And I experienced everything here. But if I just thought, hey, this is just a quick little mission. This is a mission to glorify God, to prep me for that. I would live completely different. Hardship doesn't matter. No money in the bank, no ways. I don't have the toy like my neighbor. That's okay. Family member goes through crisis. This stinks. Let's work through it. That's okay because eternity is in view, right? I'm, I'm struggling here. I've lost this. I don't have that. I've, I've been given a bad diagnosis. Okay, but wait, what am I here for? Am I here for happiness? I'm here to glorify God. How can I glorify God in this so that when I get there, I'm ready? Because in the pursuit of happiness, in that, in that story, that was, his, that was his existence. In our pursuit of happiness, I, I'm grateful that I'm here for such a short time and my relationship with God is restored so that I can be there for all eternity. And so God, what do you want me to do here to make sure we get that more people there? It's a little mission you just sent me down here for. Your, your, your life does not exist to just sit in front of a TV and watch Netflix and then go to work so you can make money to eat. Yes, I know that's part of living life. Okay, I get that. I do it. But that's not it. That's a waste. God has more for you. He wants you to feel whole, abundant life and not get stuck in the lie that the enemy gives us so that you can have a abiding presence of him so you can be used by him. Let's bring it back to that word that was spoken earlier. The tree, the buds, the spring is going to come to produce fruit. What? So we can share with others. I said it to my son this morning. He's with me this morning. Early he came with me in the church. He said something about prayer, the pre-service prayer, why we pray. I said, well, we pray for the service. And I said, maybe somebody's going to come today that needs Jesus. We want to pray that they meet Jesus because we want to populate heaven. Guess what? I'm thankful that I get, some days I'm, I'm, I, I get stuck in the rut that I'm like, this is really hard work, God. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. It'd be way easier if I was just doing something else. But I'm so thankful that you're sitting here listening to me continue to talk. Because that's my mission. I'm thankful, Lord. We got to experience your presence this morning. I'm thankful for the word, though challenging. I'm thankful for the cross of Jesus. So what are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? What could you stop and thank God for? And we're going to end by sharing some things in just a moment, but I'm going to, I heard this this week and I thought I'd share this to help stir someone. Maybe having a hard time. I'm thankful for the mess to clean after the party because it means I've been surrounded by friends. I'm thankful for the clothes that fit a little too snug because it means I have enough food to eat. I'm thankful for the lawn that needs mowing again, the windows that need cleaning again, and the gutters that need fixing because it means I have a home. I'm thankful for the parking spot I find at the end of the parking lot because it means I'm capable of walking. I'm thankful for the huge heating bill because it means I'm warm. 
I'm thankful for the piles of laundry and ironing because it means I have clothes to wear. I'm thankful for the alarm that goes off early in the morning hours because it means I have another day in front of me. Gratitude. And in there is the presence of God. So what are you grateful for? What are you thankful for? Give it to me. Shout it out. Somebody shout out. Just shout it out. Thankful for the health that we do have. It's good. I'm going to repeat them just so those online could hear. Anybody else? What are you thankful for? For salvation. Absolutely. For discussions. Yeah. So good. Serenity. Thankful for the trials that refine my character. Amen. You can agree. You can repeat. What are you thankful for? Shout it out, Teresa. Thankful for God. Amen. Thankful for my church family. Thankful for the cross. Say it again. Thankful for life. Yeah. Yes. Thankful for the stress of kids. But that means I get to have kids. But thankful for husbands. Yeah, they're pretty cool. <laughs> Wives are pretty cool too. Thankful for a wife that doesn't always agree but leads me to be a better man. Amen. Anybody else? What are you thankful for? It doesn't have to be significant. Thankful for daughters. People who pray for you. Come on, keep it going. Say that again. A new apartment. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thankful to be tired because it means I have something worthwhile to work at. Helpful, thankful for the hardships that help me learn. It's good. Grandkids. Sunshine, yes. I'm thankful for rain. Even though it looks gross, I'm thankful that it helps things grow. Anybody else? Second chances for healing. Amen. Now, if we, when we came to worship, whether in the house here or at home or however it is, you just you're spending time in the presence of God. It's easy to get blinded by what you don't have. If we could just pause. Say, Lord, thank you for those things we would see and experience, I believe, wholeheartedly the presence of God in those moments deeper and more meaningful because we're not blinded to his presence because of what we don't have. And you know, sometimes, church, in those moments, we just need to say, Lord, I know there's lots to be thankful for, but I'm having a really hard time. Can you help me see? Because he loves you. And he will help you see. He will help you see. And if only you can look at the cross, what Jesus did for you. Say, this is all really hard, and I don't know if I can thank you for any of this, but what I do thank you for for loving me enough to take my place on that cross and making a way for me to be in restored relationship with you so I can boldly approach the throne as a son and a daughter. So thank you, Jesus. And if you could meditate on the cross more often with gratefulness in your heart, you'll begin to be grateful for the other things that are hard, difficult, or driving nuts. Gratitude is a virtue of a follower of Jesus. 
And I think we would live drastically different every day if we just practice a little more. So here's the homework. When you wake up in the morning, pick three things. As you enter prayer, maybe you don't usually pray first thing in the morning, but just pause. Before your feet even hit the ground or when your feet hit the ground, Lord, I'm thankful. Boom, boom, boom. Name three things. At the end of the day, do the same thing. Look back over your day and reflect. Even the toughest days, Say, here's what I'm thankful for today. Boom, boom, boom. Three things. If you can do more, fantastic. And when you unlock that door, thankfulness and gratitude starts flowing. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that we can come gather and worship, Lord. We thank you that we can hear from your word, Lord. I'm thankful for the attentiveness of those listening today. I'm thankful for those who are here today listening. I believe, God, that you wanted us to hear from you this morning. Thank you that we can worship freely. Thank you that we can come into your presence. God, I thank you for those who, who serve Parkway so faithfully so we can do these things, these gatherings, these services. God, we can meet the worship team, the tech team, the kids team. Oh, we're thankful for those who are investing in our kids. Thankful that we can bless our community today, God, with more backpacks to those who need them. Or most importantly, we're thankful for you, for your love, for your faithfulness, for the cross of Jesus, for the atoning work of Christ. We bless you, God. Help us to see with gratefulness in our eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I'm grateful for you. Thank you for being here or listening today. God bless you. And may you go and find joy in gratitude. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.